everybody. Welcome to the season two premiere of Healing with Nama. I'm Casey, and today I have a special guest with me, Dr. Kelly Vincent, somebody who um, was very pivotal, pivotal, <laughs> pivotal in helping me um, in the beginning of my spiritual journey. Um, she met me right when I was in the midst of having anxiety and panic attacks and depression and all that stuff. And she really helped me get to the place that I am today. So I always remember her and talk about her to other people um, because she really played a big part in me even being able to have a podcast because um, there's just no way that the person that I was when we met would have done this. So, <sighs> yeah. So it's just, um, it's just, <laughs> I'm just so excited. I've been planning it in my head for a really long time. Um, so I'm happy that it came to fruition and we were able to make it happen. Um, even with all the crazy technology issues we've had this morning, um, I'm just really excited to have you here and I'm so thankful that you said, you know, that you would do it. So yes, well, thank you for having me. Of and, course. Uh, yes. I, my, my heart is exploding right now. So I appreciate all those kind words. Yes. And do you want to just maybe like share a little bit about you and what you do? Definitely. Yeah. So I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. I'm actually based in um, Encinitas, uh, California. I do have listeners that aren't in California. Um, and predominantly, I work with a lot of women. I didn't intend on specializing um, with women, but it just sort of naturally happened that way. And I absolutely love it. Um, and I would say sort of the, the focus of my work um, is anxiety, trauma, um, self-esteem, transitions, uh, life transitions, relational struggles, that type of thing. Um, I often, too, use what I would consider a mind-body approach in my work, um, really making sure that we're integrating the mind and the body, but then also kind of looking at each of my clients holistically um, and making sure that we're not just zoning in on just the cognitive piece, but also everything that's sort of somatically happening um, and sort of impact of that. So, yeah. That's awesome. And I was so excited when I found you on Instagram. I just so happened to, I think you were on my explore page or something. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Kelly. Like, look, she's doing amazing. She's got her own practice. And because when we met, you were, you were interning. So, you know, you weren't Dr. Kelly Vincent yet. So I was so excited to see that you were, you know, were doing such great things and um, to just reconnect with you. Because like I said, I, you know, you played a really huge role because that time in my life was the turning point for everything for me so you know the people that showed up for me during that time are really important to me you know because you know so many people had a hand in molding me in a way you know <laughs> um yeah I had I was having a really tough time and so to have someone like you I felt like yes you were there as a therapist but I felt like you cared about me as a person and so it just made all the difference in the world to be like okay yes like somebody understands or is at least trying to understand what's happening because I don't even know what's going on um yeah, really hard. yeah. feelings and especially feelings that we may not have felt before or maybe they're just more intense and they've manifested in different ways it's so hard to unravel what's happening in our minds and our bodies but yeah to have and I'm so glad that the space that was held for you was was helpful and effective in, in, in a lot of ways because yes I was an intern at the time and I was still I'm still learning actually right <laughs> I'll be learning forever but um but yeah I mean I think just reaching out for 
support and getting that and sort of knowing that you're worth and you deserve that support in that space yes. to be held, which is strength that you naturally had. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it's so nice to just hear that that was, you know, just sort of maybe a foundational piece as it relates to sort of what you're doing now. Right. I'm glad you found me on the good old Instagram. I mean, yeah. that world is wild, but these types of connections are, make it so worth it. Yeah, I think that, you know, it was purposeful, you know, I think it was meant to be that I was able to find you and reconnect so that this could happen. Um, and so that I could thank you personally, you know, because I never got a chance to say thank you because, you know, you, you know, it's a therapist thing. You move on. It's not like a friendship or anything. So I always am like, I just want to tell her thank you so much for helping me. So I'm glad that I get to say that to you. Oh, I so, so appreciate that. I probably said this to you years back, but you did all the work. Yes. (laughs) So I just wanted to kind of jump in and talk about anxiety depression um, and imposter syndrome because I know that you do speak a lot about that Um, and those are things that I have definitely experienced even recently with doing the podcast and with you know really building up my brand as a spiritual influencer I've been really suffering from that so I wanted to see if you maybe we could start with imposter syndrome and maybe just explaining what that is yes yes and it's such a it's definitely not an enjoyable experience but it's a very common mm-hmm. very, very common experience that I think most people don't realize that others you know go through it as well we, we often tend to think it's, it's all us or we're we're alone in it but essentially imposter syndrome the way to kind of describe it is that it's a struggle to internalize your own success it's it's a, a struggle essentially it's an, an anxious experience or an anxiety experience where our our worth is questioned we doubt ourselves um, maybe other people view us as, you know, really successful successful and doing all the things, but us, we, we start to just, we don't feel that way. Right. Um, with every reason as to why that's not the case. And so we, we feel ultimately like a fraud, right? So if we're putting ourselves out there in new ways, right, starting a podcast mm-hmm. is a good example, starting a private practice, whatever it may be, we're going into this new space and being like, oh my gosh, they're going to find out. They're going to find out that I totally am a fraud. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And going to be awful. Um, but in reality, we all feel a little fraudulent at times, and especially when we're doing something new. So it can be so, so common. Also, I think with women in general, it can be very common just for a variety of reasons as it relates to like society, historically, things like that. Um, so yeah, you're not alone. And it's, it's hard because sometimes it can limit us um, and not allow our potential to be seen for exactly what it is because we just in our minds think that we're not good enough or um, you know we don't have the skill set or whatever it may be but in reality we definitely do it's just human to feel a little fish out of water right yeah and I think that just perfectly explains it Um, where I was when we met and also now being that I am trying new things so I'm more confident but I'm confident in the things that I've already been doing so when I try something new I'm just kind of like I don't know enough about spirituality to teach people you know I I haven't been in this long enough to help people you know who am I to share my experience when I'm not certified in this or that you know I didn't you know I don't have my master's degree anything and it's just kind of like I, I know that I'm meant to help people, but sometimes you get caught up in the labels and having this degree or that title, and it's just kind of like, I know that I am useful and beneficial just based on my experiences, and so having confidence that I know what I'm talking about um, is where I am now, just building it up, keep keep pushing through the fear, you know, 
um, so that the fear doesn't stop me or talk me out of doing things that could really be helpful for other people. Oh, exactly. And, and know, too, that, like, every sort of step and every sort of um, expansion of your knowledge and your experience, right, like, there's always going to be that next thing that you feel a little, like, can I do this, right? right. Like, when I'm coming on, on other people's podcasts, I'm like, who am I? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've only been doing this for how many years? Like, I'm, I'm not, like, ridiculously seasoned. Like, who am I to say, right? But I, but there is, my knowledge is my own unique spin. And yes, right. I may not everything um but my what I do know I can share right so it's you know the more you give yourself that space and that self-compassion that um you you have a lot to offer and then then there's there's more that yes you can learn that you will eventually offer as well so I always like to think of it as like you know each step right step by step versus this I have to know everything and I I will self-disclose I got caught up in that as it relates to the, the degrees and the certifications, I was like, okay, if I get all these things, then I'll feel. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, they obviously help because it provides more education, this and that, but they're not necessary. Right. right? Still can offer so much wisdom and insight and support and space for people without all of that jazz. Um, so yeah, so know that I've been there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, like you said, it's very common. Um, but when you're going through something, you often feel like you're the only one, even if you know, like cognitively or, you know, you know, like there's probably other people, but like right now, no, it's just me. Like I'm losing my mind, you know, like that's how I felt, you know, when I came, when I started coming to see you because I was just in a place of like being hit with this anxiety. And now I'm like, I'm losing my mind. Like that's the end. I need to check into a mental hospital because I don't know what's happening. You know, I don't know how to respond to this because it just hit me all of a sudden. So now that I know what it is, you know, um, trying to just work through that part and trying to teach people, um, it's, it's my calling. And so working through that imposter syndrome is just reminding myself of, Hey, you were in this place. Remember when you felt, you know, these feelings and you figured out what was happening for you, there may be somebody who's feeling the same way. And if you don't share, then you're kind of, and being selfish in a way, you know, because somebody needs to hear what you have to say. 100%. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how did you even get into this line of work? Like, how did you even end up being Dr. Kelly Vincent? Yeah, uh, good question. And so speaking of imposter syndrome, so this will kind of tie it all in. Um, so I actually went to school for business. Oh, wow. um, I went to Diego State, got my degree in business marketing, and I was actually in um, digital marketing I, um, for six years. So working for like, um, for instance, I had one of my first jobs out of college was working at this uh, digital agency where I worked uh, for Rubio's, oh. you know, the Mexican restaurant. Wow. I, their website and different sort of social media camp social media was super new back then but like social media campaigns things like that um and then around 25 ish I had what I call a quarter life crisis um and I thought to myself uh a what am I doing with myself b this is not fulfilling I there, there's something missing um and hearing people's stories and understanding people, um, understanding how, how people think, like that always fascinated me. I think a lot of people are fascinated by it because it is interesting. Um, and this idea of, you know, uh, being a, a, 
potentially a pivotal piece in someone's story or journey was just something that I'm like, mm, that, that feels like that would be really fulfilling. feels like that would be really interesting. So I essentially just did a 180 leap of absolute faith and explored. I, ex- I explored for about a year, right? So I, you know, went to, went to my own therapist. I, I volunteered. Um, I sort of, I assessed it. Um, but still, I kind of leaped to faith, applied to graduate school, and just, like, went for it um, and decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to be a clinical psychologist. I think this is the right thing. I have no idea if it's the right thing. So talk about imposter syndrome. I came into that, I remember, so pivotally that very first day of grad school, that very first class, and I was like, what the F am I doing here? Yeah. What- who am I? Like, this This is ridiculous. I know nothing about psychology. I'm a business major, right? So I had all these imposter syndrome experiences. And I would say that lasted pretty much all of grad school. Mm-hmm. All of grad school. And I had a pivotal um, professor who helped me see, like, no, no, no. Like, even though your experience is vastly different, it still will serve you, which come full circle with the whole, like, marketing your practice and all that. It does or did. Um, but I had to work through that each and every year. And I had um, – yeah, a lot of anxiety during those years, a lot of the imposter syndrome, but I couldn't name it then. I didn't really know what that was at that point. Um, but nonetheless, I knew that I wanted to help people, and I knew that I wanted to do it in a way kind of on my own terms in the sense of creating something that kind of came from my mind and, and um, my passions. So private practice was always something that I was interested in even before I started grad school, like that idea of kind of creating your own business because mm-hmm. I had that business background, so that was alluring. Um, but then being able to help serve people in the ways that made the most sense to me versus maybe at an agency or at a college campus or something right. like that. Um, so I had that goal when I went in and then essentially once I got licensed, I just, again, went for it. Talk about another round of imposter syndrome, like, who are you? Yeah. You just started. What are you thinking? That kind of thing. Um, and then essentially since then, it's kind of evolved from there. Um, and then sort of the next iteration of, of where I'm at is starting now a group practice. Oh, wow. So, clinicians, um, I'm a big believer in kind of that, again, I think I said this, mind-body piece and the holistic piece, um, making sure people are supported in ways that they need to be supported based on who they are, their backgrounds, you know, all the things. Um, so I guess the whole kind of roundabout way of saying is I didn't necessarily intend on where I'm at professionally. It just sort of, yes, a lot of hard work, but then also it just kind of, my heart just kind of like led me in that direction right um, yeah and, and most of the time I did not know what I was doing at all I just kind of you know threw up the Hail Mary and, and tried to see where it would land right uh, but very grateful and very thankful and appreciative of um, where I am at and all of the um, experiences that I had during grad school the practicum sites the internship mm. all that kind of thing has helped also shape sort of what I'm interested in what makes sense to me you know that kind of thing um, so yeah, it was just, again, kind of one step at a time, um, where it created where I'm at now. Wow. That's so interesting that you, you know, didn't intend to do this, but you were just kind of interested and you followed that interest and now it's like a full blown thing. And I think that's how a lot of things happen. Um, I know that's kind of happens for me too, you know, like being a Reiki practitioner and stuff. I just was like, Ooh, that looks interesting. I, you know, I, I I like working with people. I like healing or, you know, healing. Um, And so let me follow that path. And it led me here and it led me there. And it's just kind of like when you follow those passions or um, you just follow your heart, it can lead you where you're meant to be. So I think that's really important to just let people know you don't always have to have it figured out. Because I think that we all think that 
you have to have it figured out. I have to know, like, if I decided to do this and I have to follow through and it's just like, no. Yeah. No. No. And, and even the people that do think they have to figure it out, like in college, right? And I remember meeting with a lot of my clients during that time when I was working at the college campuses where, like, some did. And then they realized, oh, this is what I want, right? So, like, my younger self would have thought I had it figured out. And then I, and then five-plus years later, I was like, nope, right? So there, there's always that, that space. Um, to kind of create some flexibility because we change as humans. We grow, we evolve, we, we meet people. They help set us in different directions, right? So I think it's about being really open with ourselves and compassionate with ourselves when we're trying to kind of explore these these journeys and these processes because, it's yeah, it's not it's not linear. No. Just like struggles, it's not linear. We go up and down and around and sideways. Um, so, and that can just be part of being a human. And usually when we look back, we're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, but in the moment, in the thick of it, it's really, it, it can be really hard. Um, so it, it often is sort of part of that. Yeah. Um, pros and cons to that. Pros and cons. Right. Yeah. I think that's also um, lends itself to the therapy process, you know. It's not linear. Because one day, you know, you're in talking about this one thing and then, you know, you leave off and then the next session you're like, okay, we're going to start talking about this. But between that, if you, you know, if you have a week session or two weeks, something totally different happens and you respond to it this way. And then we're like, okay, why did we respond? You know, it's just all over the place. And I think that's what I try to get like my family and different people to understand is like, you're never... I, for me, I feel like you're never going to not need therapy. Like, it's always going to be something. It's going to take a long time, especially the older you are. It's going to take a really long time to talk about everything that you need to talk about because every session is going to be different, you know? So I think just being open and not being like, oh, shit, like, I need to talk about this same thing that I was talking about last week. It's like, no, what, what's bothering you this time, you know? Um, so... Yeah. Yeah. And different things happen too, right? Like it happens in the weeks, in years. Um, and so, yeah, I would agree with you that we tell you that our entire lives, maybe not all of the time, um, but like, again, those ebbs and flows of that support is, is often really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you think um, imposter syndrome like affects people? So what do you typically see or like, is it mostly women? Is it mostly men? Is there a certain age group? Like, where do you usually see that? Yeah, so um, it's a good question. So I see it across genders. I mean, I predominantly work with a lot of women. Um, the research, um, so imposter syndrome was originally developed, or developed, kind of coined um, by two, two therapists, um, Clance and Imes, I forget their first names, um, but they were doing um, these, kind of, I think they were, I don't know if they were workshops, but essentially they had, they had with a ton of women, very high being um, go-getter, ambitious women, and they were starting to see this commonality amongst all the women that the, these imposter-related feelings were showing up, um, and it was starting to become kind of a bit of a, a like, oh, wow, like, there's something here. Um, there's also this other piece of research that says, um, I think it's, it's I forget the person, that, the researcher that did it, but, like, at least 70% of the population will feel like an imposter at some point in their life. Um, so, again, just that idea of, like, so many. Um, so, yeah, so I see a lot with women. Again, I see a lot of women, but it does not sort of – it can span across genders, across ethnicities. Um, it, anyone can feel that way. And one important piece to actually um, add there is also when it comes to race. 
that can be something that can even more so become um, an experience because for instance if we're um, in a setting where um, it's predominantly white people and we're not white we, we can in, in, innately feel the sense of imposter and sense of difference because of that, especially if they're like microaggressions or any sort of discriminate, discriminatory type of attitudes or things like that. That can enhance the experience um, for different reasons, right? So, and also depending on your history. Um, again, it doesn't, anybody can kind of experience it um, at any time. And again, like I said in the beginning, I think when we start something new, um, we put ourselves out there in a vulnerable way it can tend to start to show up. And so often how it manifests or what I see is just really like low self-esteem around it, mm -hmm. um, sort of um, not kind of going after our goals or the things that we're really passionate about because of the fear, um, a lot of anxiety, obviously, so a lot of rumination, a lot of overthinking. Um, also, I mean, I'll speak from my own experience. I remember when I was doing something new, my whole body would just rev up. <laughs> so essentially that sympathetic nervous energy to go, I got kind of got in fight flight mode. Digestive issues can happen. Um, sense of like pure panic. Um, so it's that combination of just feeling like a frog, feeling like we don't belong and we shouldn't be here. Someone can do it better, and then the anxious experience too. So right, like the body tension, the fatigue, the um, kind of stumbling on your words. Right, so just this inability to feel really grounded and stable is often how it it, it comes up. Um, and a lot of people come to me um, when they're wanting to venture into something new and they're just feeling so, um, they're feeling so just limited because of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And that kind of leads me to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is like anxiety. So that, you know, can happen with imposter syndrome or without it, you know? So how, I guess, how does anxiety show up? You touched on it a little bit. What does it look like? How would somebody know if they're like me and it just all of a sudden happens? How would they be like able to say, okay, this is anxiety? Yeah, so the one thing I kind of consider you is with uh, imposter, I kind of consider this is my own conceptualization of it, but imposter syndrome is just sort of another way to describe an anxious experience, right? So they're not the same, but they're very, they're like cousins. Right, okay. <laughs> um, I think with imposter anxiety is, tends to most likely be there most of the time um, but yeah not always um, so so with anxiety it's one of those things too where um, anxiety is part of our biologically wired stress response right so um, when when our brain perceives any sort of real threat or perceived threat it's going to activate that sympathetic nervous system the autonomic nervous system that fight flight in us to essentially mobilize so if a lion's chasing us we better get out of dodge our, right. our body get out of dodge but it even an emotional threat so this idea of like we'll just use you know starting a podcast you're you're, you're venturing in the podcast world and then all these thoughts are coming up like I, I can't do this do it better that's going to activate your nervous system that brain will perceive that it's a threat um even though it's an emotional threat and a perceived threat it still responds the exact same way so what can happen is this this natural stress response that we need right we don't want to get away we don't get want to get rid of it because it helps us keep alert mm -hmm. aware um, it can then turn into anxiety. So anxiety is more the experience of constant worry, inability to rest, inability to kind of recalibrate, uh, um, constant thought spirals, physical, chest chest tightening, um, feeling achy because we're constantly like, you know, with our shoulders up to our ears, um, stomach issues, digestive issues. And then to kind of 
sort of that next level, kind of the stress, normal stress is part of life, and then it's that anxiety, and then the next piece would be an anxiety disorder. And there's very specific criteria that one needs to meet in order to be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. Um, and often one of the pivotal pieces of diagnosing an anxiety disorder is if it's uh, impairing your ability to function. Right. Um, really getting in the way of work, uh, personal, you know, relational, that kind of thing. Um, and then there's specific, you know, time frame, you have to do whatever. Um, but nonetheless, I think everybody knows what it's like to experience stress. And I think every, for the most part, a lot of people know what it's like to experience in that anxiety. So that enhanced sense of worry, that enhanced sense of something bad's going to happen. And then there's a group of people that it then turns into um, a more habitual kind of more days than not, they're feeling that way. Um, so that's kind of how I sort of separate out all three because they're all very similar. Yeah, yeah. And that makes total sense. I think for most of my life, even now I've been in some form of anxiety. Um, it's just gotten better to the point where it's not debilitating. And I, you know, I don't really suffer from social anxiety as much anymore. Um, you know, I'm able to just, you know, go meet new people without thinking about it. Um, but that anxious piece is something I still have to work on even now because it just feels like it's just a part of me, you know, it's just innate for me to be worried and be stressed and, even at one point, I know you don't know, but um, I had to have brain surgery because I had a tumor on my brain on my pituitary gland, and I was reading that Cushing's can be brought on by stress. Now, I don't know that to be true, but I'm like, it would make sense because I feel like I've been a ball of stress my whole life. So, um, leading up to finding out that I had, you know, like a tumor on my pituitary gland was just kind of like, okay you know, I can't afford to stress anymore, you know, now it's physically, you know, I have digestive issues and stuff, but now it's physically, um, manifested itself, and that's kind of how I force myself to look at it, even though that may not be true, it's just kind of like, okay, remember, you cannot do this to your body again, you have to stay calm, you cannot, you know, you can't let yourself get to that point again. So I think it's just important to realize that anxiety is not only um, like mental, it can turn physical, not saying you're going to get a brain tumor, but <laughs> you know, physical, there's physical symptoms, you know, just being mindful. It's so important to keep yourself as regulated as possible. You know, if it's possible, some people just live in situations where it's really hard to regulate your system. Some people don't have the luxury of living a calm life, you know, but if you do have those, you know, options, it's important to explore that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, first, I'm glad you're okay. Yeah. Um, and second, you're, you're absolutely spot on. The physical manifestations are more than we realize. And we hear, you know, doctors say, oh, it's just stress. Just, you know, calm down or whatever. And, I mean, that couldn't it, – it just – it's a very – it's an understatement, right? I think we all live in this very hyper – I mean – think about the state of the world right now, right? Like, and the state of the world for the last how many years? Um, there, there's just a lot of stress to be managed, and we often don't get taught the way to manage it, right? right. Like, we also have to consider um, we're working from a bit of a skill deficit, not because we're, we're not smart enough to figure it out, mm -hmm. it's just because we haven't been shown potentially how to do that. Exactly. How to 
about how to regulate our nervous systems, how to regulate when stressful times come. And you're right, as it relates to the privilege of being able to have that space and that calmness. I mean, there, there's plenty of people that are constantly like living through intense traumas of different kinds or a history of trauma that it, it's very hard to, to do that. And I think um, sometimes when I have clients where it's not as accessible, um, something as sort of small as kind of like a coping skill as it relates to something a little bit more tangible is like your breath, right? right? Like have great sort of control over your nervous system and if we learn how to kind of regulate the nervous system through our breath so deep deep inhales deep exhales really filling the belly expanding the lungs right like really allowing space for some of those deeper breaths that can be something to utilize um if you have you know of course the luxury or the privilege to do some of these other things like um there's all kinds of things we could do a whole podcast on coping right um, it's, it's i think the two pieces are being aware of your system and what's happening um, in your body, in your mind, and really understanding your experience. And then the second piece is figuring out what coping works for you, right? right? So anxiety, like you said, I actually just posted about this on Instagram today, where anxiety goes up and down. Sometimes we feel up and we're like, I got this. I, I, my coping is working. This is great. And then boom, the next week something hits us and it's the stressor it's a bit more intense. And then we're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I can't do this, right? So it's natural for it to ebb and flow and the more we widen that what they call the window of tolerance and there's a lot of ways to do that one would be coping skills like breathing um the more we can kind of manage when those stressors come because let's be real this life is going to continue to throw curveballs we're going to have to dodge and, and try to kind of manage so um again i wish all of this was taught you know when we were like kindergarten through right high because we'd all be well equipped as it relates to mental health, but I think it's getting better. We're going, we're getting in that direction. But yes, so giving yourself a lot of grace and a lot of compassion right. when it comes to this is new, right? This is new for a lot of people, um, and it's just a skill, like anything else, it's a skill to build. Right, that's so true. And so leading into talking about depression, because for me, I don't know which one came first. I think it was the anxiety that hit first. And it led me to depression. I really can't tell you. They were just hitting. I was having panic attacks, anxiety attacks, depression. Like, And at one point, I just, I literally remember sitting in my recliner at home feeling like a shell of myself, you know, in a fog. And I was just kind of like, uh, I guess this is just how it's going to be. Like, I, I'm just going to get used to feeling like I'm living in a cloud everywhere that I go. You know, I just kind of gave in to the, the depression and the anxiety and then with working with you more, then I was just kind of like, okay, well, maybe I don't have to stay here. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about, like, how those intertwine maybe? Yes, uh, and again, you're spot on. They do intertwine. <laughs> if you think about anxiety, so say the anxiety came first, and, and who, you know, who knows, but anxiety can cause a lot of irritability, right? Because, again, your system is stuck on often. often. It's stuck in that fight-flight mode. It's just go, go, go. No rest is happening. So that can make us start to and it can start to impact our mood, um, which then kind of impacts with, with depression. Is it's really food-based struggle, right? We feel this sense of like out of body sometimes, disconnection, lethargic, right. motivated. It affects sort of just our, our daily routine. We lose interest in things, right? So say anxiety did come first, that would make a lot of sense because if you're living in this higher state, it, it's like the body's just depleting, depleting, depleting. And then that insert, uh, hello, like we don't feel ourselves, so we then we start to feel sad and, and hopeless, right? So um, those two are very intertwined, and, and depression can be kind of the initial onset or anxiety kind of, it doesn't really matter. It, it just more matters that 
it's you're human and it's it's not abnormal right you're not abnormal you're you're a human that's experiencing depression and anxiety versus you are depression and anxiety yes big separation that I love to separate with with clients because sometimes we get then in our hot in our heads that like oh this is just me right yeah who I am when in reality it's not who you are it's not your identity it's what you're what you're experiencing what your identity is experiencing at that time for a lot of reasons right, right? a lot of historical reasons maybe traumas maybe setbacks fail you know whatever disappointments um and so um and again that's very normal and very human to have to go through those things uh, but it's hard, and getting support and figuring out what works for you um, and what's helpful is, is so key um, to kind of help move out of those states. Yeah, and I'm so thankful that I, you know, was able to get, you know, free sessions at my school during that time because it would have been um, difficult to work through if I had to pay all these copays like other people. So. You know, when you're dealing with, you know, feeling depressed and sad and um, having those, you know, just unmotivated symptoms, it can be a challenge to one, reach out for help. And then sometimes it's hard to access it. Um, So what are some just at home, like things that people can do um, if they don't have the access to mental health care? Um, and that's huge, right? Like having accessibility, you know, that's one big piece of the mental health. I mean, I can go on another podcast about that. <laughs> you know, um, with healthcare and all that. But I think when it comes to, you know, if that's something you're interested in, you're recognizing that it's a struggle for you and you want to kind of move to a place of healing and, and relief. I think, again, that idea of just getting to know yourself, getting to know what's going on in your mind and your body. I always tell clients to kind of keep maybe in the notes section of their phone or maybe a, a journal to really like when, when you do feel triggered, what's happening, like either what's going through your mind, writing down the cognitive thoughts that are happening. Right. Also taking kind of somatic inventory. I feel it in my chest. I feel it in my belly. I feel, I feel just the sense of disconnection, really trying to understand your experience. Um, that I think is key. Um, another piece would be then like journaling, journaling about it. I know some people like they give me a hard eye roll with journaling, but it can be a very, very amazing um, way to externalize, especially if we don't have the, we don't have a lot of safe support to externalize verbally. Um, journaling can kind of be a way to work through that and un- unwind it all. Mm-hmm. Um, would be support, would be connecting with someone that you feel safe with, someone you feel you know is trusting. Um, you know, family member, a friend, that kind of thing to kind of explain your experience, or not explain, but like um, just have your experience be heard, be seen. Mm. That can be very soothing. Um, When it comes to coping, specific coping, I think, yes, breathing can be really, really helpful. Um, I don't tend to encourage people to go on Instagram because that's a whole nother potential. Yeah. There are a lot of therapists that it's now a norm that are on Instagram providing um, free uh, psychoeducation around all these things, I would caution um, to just kind of take a look at who's talking, like right. wh- who, where are they coming from, mm. what you know, their background, that kind of thing, just to make sure that they're what they're saying is is based in um, either research or science or just whatnot. But nonetheless, just a little disclaimer. <laughs> but there's so much great content out there um, as it relates to educating individuals about what depression, anxiety, like what, what is happening. So I think just, again, building up your understanding of it can be really helpful. Um, I always say too, coping, moving your body. And I'm not talking about like, oh, go to like a huge hit, you know, a hit class like every day. No, 
could, you could, but moving your body very intuitively, moving your body in a way that feels good, it feels relaxing. So maybe it's a, it's a gentle walk or maybe it's a gentle stretch inside your home or maybe it's a yoga class or a hit class or something like that. When we move our body, we can kind of move that energy that's being kind of stored as it relates to what depression and anxiety can kind of do internally. Sometimes that's a nice way to get um, some of that excess intense energy out. Um, so yeah, so connection, moving your body, externalizing through journaling or talking with someone, those are tend to be ways, um, if you don't have the accessibility of a therapist to work one-on-one, um, be helpful. Yeah. For sure. Just yeah. to name a little bit of a few, because there's tons. Yeah. Well, I feel like we could probably have like a have you on the show again to talk about, you know, a little bit more expand on it, you know. Um, so I probably will reach out to you again in the future and see if you'd be interested in doing another show to just kind of talk more. I feel like we can expand in different ways on the same topic. And I feel like so many people are experiencing this that it would be really helpful to just have, even if it's just to know that you're not alone. So, you know, people are talking about it and we're talking about our own experiences to just know that you are not alone if you're feeling this way. Um, you know, you can reach out for help or just feeling like you're not alone is really important to me. Oh, it's, I mean, it, it cannot be more true because because we're because you're not like at all. I think most of us, and I haven't talked to every human on the planet, but most of us have felt like this at one time or another uh, for one reason or another. Um, it's, it's such a part of the human experience. Um, and again, it's just more about the awareness of it and then gaining some insight as to what helps you. Um, what what works for you if you will and something might work for you now that may not later and that's okay too right so there it's an evolution of kind of building out that toolkit or that those skills um, to be able to manage it in, yeah. a, in a more way that's perfect so thank you so much for talking with me um, I know we need to wrap it up um, but where can people connect with you or find you do you have anything going on like do you want to just share yeah, so um, so my website, drkellyvincent.com, there's more information about me, my practice, also on Instagram. Um, my handle is doctor, at dr.kellyvincent, um, and I actually have a handful of free resources on both anxiety and imposter syndrome. Oh, perfect. They're downloadable, like PDFs that kind of help sort of just give more insight into those two experiences, um, all free, um, and it's in the in the um the bio right so when you go on instagram there's a little bio there's a little link um so you can kind of get if, if this is all new to you but you're like oh my gosh this still resonates that might be a good place to start um so yeah well, that's awesome well thank you so much i'm so happy that you were on the show you agreed to do the show and i'm happy to have reconnected with you and um just being able to talk to you face to face again and thank you and yeah just sharing your your experience and you know your light with me I'm just really grateful so thank you thank you for having me and I so appreciate that um and I'm so glad you yeah <laughs> well you have an amazing rest of your day I'm so thankful and I will be reaching out to you um in you know in a little bit so we can maybe do this again if you're if you're willing yeah Sounds good. all right thank you bye this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. 
No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com specialoffer.